I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the most haunted city on earth. My name is Madison Timmons. And I'm Chris Susie. And we are here with another Q&A for you. You guys had quite a few questions, some very similar. Uh, apparently, 28 days has y'all like <laughs> fiending for questions. Um, we won't go too in-depth in that, just to clarify when you're watching this, if that's the only reason why you are watching this episode. <laughs> Hopefully not. But we have not watched 28 days yet. It has not been yet. October. It has been a very busy month for us. Um, so now that we're going into November, um, we will have time to watch things. And I guess we need to binge watch all of that so yeah, that we can absolutely. answer all of y'all's questions. Maybe we should do a um, an episode on shows, you know, yeah. uh, on ghost hunting shows, ghost, you know, the, uh, the, the documentary style ghost shows. I've actually been on a couple of them. So, you know, um, I was just on the latest Ghost Brothers. Oh, Ghost Brothers. Ghost yeah. Brothers. They, they went to the uh, Moon River Brewery. Oh, no yeah. way, you were on that? Yeah. Oh, wow. That was this weekend, wasn't it? it was was... I, I, I actually don't know when these things come out. Like, I get told yeah, sure. by other people, oh, I saw you on the show. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ghost Brothers are, well, at least were in town this week for Halloween. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Love the Ghost Brothers. They're, uh, yeah. they're one of my favorite. Um, oh, yeah. I, I would ghost hunting shows. I would agree with that. They're, they're like, probably the most solid to not necessarily. Well, because they... They have humor that is very natural. You know, it's it, it it's not forced humor. They 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 seem to be having a good time. Yes, you know? and, and they also get scared, which is a big component to me. Is is I'm all for being brave, but if you get scared, if something scary happens, react, interact. You Absolutely. know. Absolutely. I actually don't know who they are because I'm too busy producing this show. That's yes. fair. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. I, I just can't. I can't watch anything. Like I'm. I'm so done. Like throughout the day, I'm doing so much with the show, just trying to con like contact people and get, um, you know, ghosty stuff happening and and planning the next episodes and all that. That like at the end of the day, I'm like, I just want to watch something completely different. <laughs> yeah, than, that, than is than that, that is fair. That is fair. Absolutely. Yeah, like Bachelor in Paradise. Like that's Love what Bachelor Maddie and I like. We we grab a bottle of wine. We grab our pups. We turn on Bachelor in Paradise. And uh, or bachelor or bachelorette, and we just we just soak in the in the awfulness that yeah, is and that. the absurdity that those shows are amazing. Oh man! So anyway, all right, um, let's go ahead and get started with the Q and A. But before we do, I would like to thank our newest patrons. Um, thank you, uh, Arcadia Eklund, Lindsay Williams, Lauren Boniker, Miranda Wareham. Andrew Maudsley and Stephanie Bauer. We really, really appreciate y'all. Yeah. Seriously. Thank you so much. Yes. And we have lots and lots of stuff coming for the para junkies. Yes. Thank you for being a para junkie and welcome to the junkie side. Yes. Okay. Welcome to the para. <laughs> that's what, that's what I was just saying what we needed to talk about real fast. I am currently working on a secret para junkie merch store. 
Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to have Parajunkie only merch. You're going to sure. need access it with a cool password. It's going to be pretty dope. So yes. Secret thing. Secret. Secret, yes. Things. And everything will yes. be closer to wholesale than, than um, right. regular. Show yeah. your pride. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So because it'll be good prices on those if you want some Parajunkie only merch. Okay, here we go. Taylor and Luke. We've had questions from Taylor and Luke before. Oh, yes. Yes. Hi, guys. What are your thoughts slash reviews about the documentary Demon House? I kept yelling at Zach Baggins to stop bringing people to the house, LOL. That is a fascinating documentary. I am, I am deeply intrigued by it. Have, have you seen it? I haven't seen it, it yet. Okay. So one of the most interesting aspects of it, I think, though, is um, it, it, there's a lot of buildup. The house itself does seem to have a lot of, uh, you know, troubling history to it. Um, if I'm not mistaken, because I, I, there might be a different cut of it out there as well, like a, a director's cut or something. But uh, at the height of this documentary, um, Zach Baggins locked inside by himself in the demon house. Um, something just runs right past a door. And there is no mention of it, no discussion of it, no talk of it. And I'm like, I wish they spent a little more time on, on the thing. thing. Yeah. I mean, they acknowledge that it happened, but um, they spend very little time, like, you know, investigating or, or doing anything like that. Yeah. So, um, interestingly enough, that house was demolished. And if you go to Zach Baggins' um, Museum. Paranormal Museum yeah. in Las Vegas, the basement of the museum actually has a lot of the house pieces oh. <laughs> and like areas of the house that were noted to be very paranormally, you know, charged. So I typically stick away from things that Zach Baggins tends to produce. <laughs> um, just not his biggest fan in the entire world, just cause I like a more um, serious approach, if you will, to paranormal. And I like to hear theory and I want less um, hokey. I feel like, he led a charge of being highly aggressive and antagonistic in investigation. I think a lot of people took on mm -hmm. being antagonistic during investigation. I do not in any way, shape, or form uh, recommend or you know, condone being antagonistic when, when doing a paranormal investigation. Um, what you put in is usually what you get out. You know, that is, you know, if, you, if you go in open... And if you go in trying to to sincerely communicate mm -hmm. versus going in, you know, like you're going to fight the ghost. Yeah. One of the most peculiar ways is to show up and be like, hey, bro, you know, yeah, let's yeah. go. Like a bar fight. Yeah, like a bar fight. You know, <laughs> puff up your chest and, and, and take on a spirit. Um, it is, it was very disheartening because I want to say that after... Uh, Zach Baggins became very popular. I saw more and more of it, mm -hmm. it, 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 it and privately, like people who, you know, uh, would come on ghost hunts got very into the idea of you gotta, you gotta spur the spirits into action. Sure. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem like you're getting an honest interaction, you know, because if you show up aggressive anywhere, getting aggression back is not an indication of what the spirit's like. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you can, you show up to a very, you know, kind and peaceful person's house and just start shoving on them. Their gonna, interaction and reaction is yeah. not going to be the sincere, you know, interaction of the person. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. But I will say he has gathered a lot of really interesting evidence, you know, um, throughout his time. And uh, the museum, 
I actually had a guest on my tour about a week ago who was like a Zach Baggins super fan. Like sure. this guy came on the tour with a Zach Baggins shirt on. He <laughs> was literally, he was like, wow. I love him. And I was like, Ooh, okay. Um, and so, <laughs> um, so yeah, he told me though about how he recently went to the museum um, and out at, like you said, out in Las Vegas and he had a really weird interaction. So he was with, uh, his tour guide was Zach Baggins' girlfriend. I guess she gives tours sure. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she had mentioned some kind of like song or something like that, that they heard come out of this record player or whatever. And the guy said that every time they would turn on the radio, that song would start playing every single time they got into an Uber, the song was playing. They got home, the song, the radio wasn't even turned on, but the song would pop up. And I was like, very bizarre though. That is super bizarre. So it's like- That is communication right there. Absolutely. So I'm like, well, apparently something really liked you and followed you home. It was like, get me out of this place. But you know, it's- uh, <laughs> but. Well, and it's, that museum is very overpowering because it is so chock full of just- Item after item after item. They have the Dybbuk box there. They've got, uh, yeah. you know, a, an incredibly haunted doll there. They've got, you know, pieces of a house there. You know, it's, it, and they have like um, Ed Gein's um, crock pot. Oh. You know, oh. They, they, they suggest he rendered human oh, flesh. Oh, yeah. Nice. You know, so there's, uh, there's a lot of really weird, because um, there's yeah a lot of serial killer stuff a lot of you know yeah so would a crock pot tenderize a leg in like three hours would you say or <laughs> well, I say crock pot but I meant I meant yeah. a, a, like a an actual crock oh okay I know, see like a, a, a cast iron gotcha I was you know, picturing witch's cauldron gotcha I was picturing the ones that you can get at Walmart yeah no no um. yeah I, I, I realize now that I'm 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 talking about slow roasting yeah slow roasting <laughs> limbs. Mm. I think it's fair to say that our show will never be picked up by Zach Baggins if he hears any of the episodes no. where we well, talk you know, about him. Well, you know, I personally don't have anything against him because he built an industry. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, I am, I am, I'm not an advocate, but I understand, you know, that's business. That's a, that, you know, that's a solid business and model. It works for him. Yeah. And, it, and it knocked it out of the park because at the time that he, he arrived on the scene, what we were getting, and again, the step before that was the Ghost Hunters, TAPS, um, where that's an amazingly innovative and wondrous thing, but it was very much an imitatable thing. And then you saw a lot of knockoffs and you saw a lot of people trying to attempt the same thing, telling the same stories, doing the same things. Sure. And so here comes a guy who had kind of that bad boy rock star vibe. Yes. You know, um, it's like way too much moose and leather jacket. Way and he shows up and, and he, and he yells at ghosts. Yes. And that, uh, that was, that was, that was, that was different. It, uh, it caught on. It, mm -hmm. it, he has super fans. And so while I am, again, not an advocate, I respect the, yeah. the, 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 the path. And in the years, as the years have gone on, because like I watched like the first couple of seasons and found myself in that weird boat of, I don't like this process. I don't like the process sure. that I go through. Skip what, 15 years now? <laughs> yeah, know, it's And watching the more, and, and there is a, a kinder, gentler touch because my guess is the longer he's been at it, the more of that criticism of people being like, sure. don't do that. You know, what are you doing? What are you thinking? And so, so I think he's learned more about hunting ghosts and, and, and interacting over the years. Although, again, um, he, he, he stands as a, an adversary to ghost hunters who are 
attempting a sincere contact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, 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 I still stand by it. I think Zach Baggins himself is haunted. That oh, he has yeah. a ghost specifically that interacts with him wherever he goes. Wow, um, not only does it always call his name it's on out. the payroll. Yeah. <laughs> right. It goes Seriously. Payroll. Well, and that's just it. You know, if you're, if you're receiving scratches, if you're getting, you know, um, uh, your name called, if you're having the same experience in every place you go, the question isn't, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm able to draw out the ghosts of every place. It's, you got a ghost on your back. That's your next script. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's your no, next yeah, script. Yeah, sure. yeah. No, seriously. Like, like, ghost that's, on the payroll. like, like you could, you could make a, you could make a film. Like we, we could all make a film about the, the ghost hunter that like pay, like not pays a ghost, but like, like sells his soul to some demon <laughs> well, that, to like latch I, uh, on. I, I do have a script. Uh, I'm, I'm a screenwriter for those of you who don't know. Uh, I do have a, a, a script in which, um, a paranormal investigator murdered someone in a house like and then ten years later comes back to the house hoping to stir that spirit, <laughs> you know, because he he knows what happened there. Yeah. He knows very intimately that's the details prof- of that's, it. That's so clever. he's 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 showing up hoping that his presence will catch the ghost because he's that dedicated to the idea of catching a ghost. He decided to make a ghost. Sure, wow. he decided to murder someone, you know, torture and murder them in a place, and then go and investigate the place. Wow. wow. Cool, cool. All right, here we go. Uh, Angel Nawada, what up? How you doing? Um, it's me again. We're always happy, <laughs> We're always happy to have Yay. you. Um, thanks for such a great podcast. Aw. What are your opinions on Ed and Lorraine Warren? I really like Ed and Lorraine. I think they pioneered the uh, way of like a paranormal couple of sorts. Um, You know, I'm especially a fan of Lorraine because I think her abilities were so unique in the way that she was able to walk into a space and almost feel and see exactly what happened there. That's so rare. Ed was definitely more of the theorist and he came from it a bit of a more religious stance. So I don't find that I pull a lot from like their methods, but I do respect all that they did in, in the uh, flipping the coin, you know, from Zach Bagans, where it's like they were very sincere about genuinely trying to figure out what happened here, why the spirit is the way it is, like trying to, you know, make a place safe again. And they cared a lot about families as well and trying to help families. So I, I, I like Ed and Lorraine. I think they're pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I think they stand as, you know, the... Uh, the four bearers of modern paranormal investigation. And, and yeah, I actually spoke to Lorraine Warren in ni- in 96, I think. And it was a wonderful conversation. She's a very warm person. <laughs> She's very, um, she, she was so set, you know, she understood things so specifically that it wasn't even a question of whether or not, she was guessing or, or, you know, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of guesswork to this. Um, But if you have a strong faith and you're using that faith to back up what you sense, it becomes very solid. She was very solid. And when she spoke, you, you just instantly felt Mm. that what she was saying was the truth. Um, But at the same time, I think that we, we do, we do have romanticized versions of Ed and Lorraine and our our exposure to Ed and Lorraine is through a lot of different glasses because over the years I've spoken to people who've had altercations with Ed and Lorraine who have had issues with them. And so, you know, it does, it's definitely, you know, uh, 
for what they stand for and 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 what they promoted, I absolutely you know adore Ed and Lorraine Warren and their uh, the books that you can you can read on them and and from them, wonderfully uh, you know uh, intricate uh, observations of the paranormal universe. Um, but you know, I, I have had, I, there was a guy who, who, who basically said he punched, uh, Ed, uh, to get him out of the house because, and, and he dismissed the Warrens entirely from, from his premises because he felt that they were interfering with how his family was dealing with and coping with the thing. Because, you, you have to imagine if somebody shows up and, and starts really barking orders and telling you sure. how to do something when you have a family member in distress. That can be very friction-filled. As a matter of fact, that was The Conjuring House. Mm-hmm. That actually happened in The Conjuring House. So, like, uh, uh, the, the father of that family is on record stating that he um, was not a fan of the, <laughs> the Warrens. And, and the story as told by the Warrens was not how it played out. And um, Wow. I almost think that there is a, a book coming out from the daughter of that family, of the Conjuring family, um, trying to a- access the truth about the house because the story as it is is very heavily um, Bathsheba and, and the horror there, but apparently the family actually had a long-standing relationship with the ghost of the house that they felt was poorly represented. You're, you're telling me that Hollywood over-exaggerated something for money? I know, right? Well, actually, the Warrens did. Oh. Mm. Um, it, I thought uh, you were saying the movie over-exaggerated it. Well, the movies did, absolutely. Yeah. But it was also because it was the accounts from the Warrens' point of view. Oh. Gotcha. Uh, because the Warrens did write their story about their experience there, and that's how The Conjuring story came about. It just isn't the same. You know, it's, 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 yeah. a, it's a point of view issue. And I don't know necessarily sure. to believe one way or the other. It's just knowing that... Um, not everybody is going to be on the heavy Christian boat of dealing with spirits and then having someone take a very specific and, and, and narrow view of how to deal with something or how to, you know, yeah. um, you can run into issue. Uh, so okay. yeah, yeah, I am, I am, I am a fan of Ed Lorraine, yeah. you know, hands down, but I do know that they haven't always been the heroes that we've kind of. Exactly. Grown to associate well, them as. And I think, like, it's important to note that, like, because of their um, ability to be proclaimed as these heroes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we do tend to forget that they were human beings. They were people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They were people through and through. And, you know, they, they, they did amazing work and they did amazing cataloging of some of the most, you know, diabolical and frightening situations. Yeah. And, and, it comes down to that whole, there are two sides to every story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and you want to be as, as open as possible to, you know, what there is. I think the information that you can get from Ed and Lorraine Warren is invaluable, especially if you're interested in the paranormal. Um, mm. But at the same time, it's a thin line when you deal with faith. It's a thin line oh, when yeah. you deal with, with, with how to deal with, spirits that are restless or spirits that are violent or spirits and they seem to be very focused on helping people who are in dire need you know they show up when when it's demonic they show up when it's dangerous yep yeah and i definitely you know could see people getting uh into confrontations with them because Mm -hmm. if you read anything that ed lorraine would or uh ed warren would um say 
it was very staunchly religious. Yeah. Um, you know, like all of the interviews he would do. So if you're not as much of a Christian as he was, I could totally see him. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's kind of the point is, pushy. is he was, and you kind of need that to do the kind of work that they were doing. You know, you, you have to have a kind of infallible faith, especially if you're going to perform any form of exorcism, you have to be beyond doubt. And being beyond doubt put, does put you at the at, at odds with people who, who have doubts. <laughs> sure. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, but before we do, I just wanted to let um, everyone know that we are going to be having a live stream for the Gribble House tier parajunkies and the St. Julian Street parajunkies uh, tomorrow. That's Sunday, um, November, November 6th. 6th. Yep. Is it the 6th? Uh, yep. 6th uh, at... 10 a.m. So if y'all want to get in on that, go ahead and um, jump on that tier. And we're going to be posting a Google chat link about probably about a half an hour beforehand on the actual uh, Patreon. Um, also, our Parajunkie exclusive uh, episode um, this week is going to be, we had a Parajunkie um, actually hit me up and go, I want to hear more about Madison talk about seeing dead people. So that is what that pair junkie exclusive episode is going to be. So if you want to hear more about that, um, we're, we're going for that. All right. And next question. Hey, it's our homie, Anne Marie Morales. And she asks, I know y'all have said that a spirit, a human spirit, I'm going to restart that question. I know y'all have said that human spirit will not want to tell you things about your future, but what about tarot or spirit guides? Is that different? Absolutely. Well, and I've said this a couple times before where like when you're doing tarot or you're um, communicating with your spirit guides and stuff, they're usually giving you advice of like where you are in your life right now. And they're like, this is something we would recommend that you do, um, you know, or this is some, this is something you need to work on. Cause a lot of times when you really get into tarot and you do readings on yourself, it's usually your tarot cards roasting you saying like, you need to work on yourself. Like you are holding yourself back in this way, or you're, uh, you know, so close to getting this one thing that you're working towards, but you need to do this and this and this. And that's usually what your spirit guides and your because that's usually who I at least um, pull through to do tarot and whatnot. That's what they're doing. They're not telling you like in 20 years, you're going to be rich and famous or whatever, or in uh, five years, you're going to be in a horrible accident. It's never that um, when you're reading tarot. I mean, there are plenty of people who like to um, say that they can see things like that where they're like, oh, you're going to have a horrible accident. I see this in your cards or whatever. But I really think a lot of that comes from the idea of Hollywood. Like, um, <laughs> or money. Or, yeah, yeah. Well, or money, you know. They um, want money and they'll want to give them, oh, you're well, going to be married to a very successful blah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting because technically we, we're, we're, let's say we're all spiders. And we're, we're, ah. we're, we're spinning a web. Okay, we are responsible for the individual strand of our lives. It, it spins this way. When you're looking at tarot or being told these things, what's happening is they are forecasting the w- direction that you are spinning. And they can see other things that are spinning. They can see the blonde woman who is spinning your way and mm-hmm. they can say, oh, you know what? 
a blonde woman is going to come into your life because they know that that's the path that you are spinning, the direction you can spin, which also means that all the side lines of the web, all these little pieces that can be in your path are registrable, not because they are the future, but because they too are traveling towards a destination. And that's how you get things like avoid this because they see a probable collapse in the web or a probable strand that's not going to be strong enough. That's why they can say, pay attention to this person that might be coming into your life or this career choice that might be coming. Because what's really happening is you're not seeing the future. You're seeing a path laid out before you. And that path is pushing against all the other fates that are intertwined. And so when you, when you look at the cards, the cards are saying, this is the path you're on, and I can see that all these other paths are converging. So it isn't really telling you the future. It's telling you probabilities of outcomes based on this web yeah. of existence. And what you're doing. But you still right. have, like, I, I think I've answered this a couple weeks ago or a couple episodes ago, but, you know... Um, like you still have free will. You can choose like to ignore those, oh, you know, absolutely. pieces of advice. Cause think of it as like, you're talking to a family member and they're like, Hey, I've noticed these things that you do. If you keep doing these things, this might happen to you because they can see from the outside, uh, like Chris said, but you can choose to ignore that family member and be like, ah, oh, that's a bunch of nonsense or whatever. But it's not, you know, like a spirit telling you like definitive Right. sort of events and that's the thing that we really it can come off like that exactly it could feel that way because yeah. it could be you know uh, especially dependent on who is doing the reading and who is doing the the communicating they can see a, a positive outcome and and literally be like you have to say yes to this you know or mm-hmm. if this happens say yes or, or 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 take the job there or do these things because in interpretation it looks like the future yeah <laughs> in interpretation it looks like and it, it increases that probability. So what you're really what you're really doing is advanced mathematics, quantum mathematics. <laughs> you are utilizing a lot more information than you personally have to determine paths that you can mm-hmm. take. So yeah, and you can choose. It's Absolutely. always a choice because the future, even in the the great book of life, when they say all things are known, all things happen. And you're like, well, then why would I ever make a choice? It's like, well, those choices may be predestined in that one sense. But the truth of the matter is you're still living your life. You're still, you still have free will. Our concept of time is messed up. (laughs) So, you know, just, just, just know that when you're exchanging something, uh, some piece of you for some knowledge that is, that is supposed to be clouded. Sure. That becomes you know, an issue and, and it lives in a more diabolical place when you start, when you really start to think about someone who is enticing you with the future versus you going to a place to interpret the path that you're on and the choices you have ahead of you. Yeah. All right. And let's go ahead and move on. Skiz69 asks, do you have any ghost stories about the Vernonburg area? That's a good question. What Vernonburg area? I think they ref- <laughs> they're referring to like the Savannah Vernonburg. That's what I was about to say. 
so Vernonburg. Is there is like there the a Vernonburg over, Savannah? Well, oh, yeah, Savannah, like, Georgia. Yeah, 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 like Georgetown area. That's, oh, it's that's, Georgetown. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when they were building Georgetown, there was this old house out there, and they we used to call it the Witch House because it was we all believed very and you know local legend was that the witch house was this you know house mm-hmm. um and some people's stories it was uh a, an old slave woman who who settled down right on the property of the plantation and and built her little house and lived out there for a while there was a long time where if you go down um yeah, they tore it down to build those houses, that, that housing community out there. So I, me and a group of friends went out there to to see it before they tore it down. And it was a harrowing night of, of, of strange sounds and strange sensations. And when we got to the house, it definitely felt like doom and gloom. But one of the weirdest things is there is a road right when you get down towards uh, Georgetown that just kind of like, peels off right along 17 you can go down and you go kind of past all where people are living and it just almost turns into a dirt road and then you come to this giant fence and while we were there it was like three o'clock in the morning we were we're we getting lost because at the time there were no roads it was just like piles of dirt and 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 we were leaving the house so it was it was between three and four in the morning we we came down that road came to this big fence and I was like, oh, well, you can't go any further. But before we could turn around, three pickup trucks, like one on one side of the fence and two from we don't know where, came up down upon us and we just like drove off. And so we don't know what was there, but there's something that was very, very guarded because we obviously tripped some kind of alarm or something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that whole area does is steeped with stories. But the, the story that I know of that area was that there was a witch house, you know, quote unquote witch house out there and we never got anything more than the idea that there was this old house that was in the middle of the woods too I should point out that that was all like wooded area it was not traversable by any means it was not easy to get to the house even when they were building construction the road that went to the construction site we had to like leave and walk through the woods a bit to get to the house so yeah there is uh, there a story of of an old witch who lived out there and again no information about the witch or if it was really a witch, but it was the kind of story that people, you know, oh, there's an old house in the woods and a yeah. witch lives there. And if you go to the house and knock on the door in the midnight, you know, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's pretty rich, but it did lend us to the stories. Uh, and I, uh, if you listen to the Mark McCullough mm-hmm. episode, we actually talk. That was Tuesday's episode, last Tuesday's yeah. episode. We actually talk about the plantation that was on his property and how I believed that the story that he was telling was in Georgetown, mm. uh, in that area, because that was how it was conveyed to me, the story of a plantation that got burned down. But then the story actually that, that again, these are all words of mouth stories. These are not printed. People didn't keep you know, heavy ledgers around this time. Yeah. But the story was that a plantation owner, in spite, pure spite, decided to kill his slaves rather mm. than free them set his his own plantation on fire so that the um, that the 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 yanks wouldn't uh, get the the pleasure of burning down his house uh, and that's the story and again sensational no no real regards to whether it's true or not but to hear mark have a historian come out and say that there was a plantation on the spot that burned down you know yeah. in the civil war era it's like oh that's very interesting because i've heard that story 
you know, that's the kind of story that people hold inside and, and tell casually, oh, you know, this area used to be a huge plantation. This area used to have, because a lot of people forget that Savannah, the city is actually, was kind of like where the rich people would, uh, would come to be away from the plantations. You know, there were no plantations no. in Savannah proper. You know, Savannah, the town was, you know, we're living by the river. And we're all yeah. fancy. And we, <laughs> we, we, we have these mansions and, and things like that. So these, these mansions that are in Savannah were not uh, the plantation houses. People, it's all around. Yeah it's, yeah, it's further out. And the further out you go, the more, because like all the way down to Midway, um, Georgia, you, 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 there are many plantations, but m- most of them are lost to time. Because after the Civil War, this whole region and area, they cleaned up their act. They were quick to, to, to yeah. deny their, their slaveholdings. <laughs> they were quick to, to, to crook the books. They were quick to suggest sure. that you know, they were more up and up than, than they were. Um, and so you, you, you see there's, there's just the sensation of the lost plantations of this area and this region. Um, but I think good, good historians, of course, know. But it, if, to the casual researcher, it's very hard to yeah. learn about these, these plantations. Absolutely. So problem is that actually I Googled it in Vern, Vernonburg, although that was very interesting about Georgetown, Vernonburg's actually Windsor Forest. <laughs> it's oh. like east of Windsor Forest. Yeah, it's a small area. Oh, down by Coffee Bluff. I have a great story about Coffee Bluff. Well, actually. there you go. So <laughs> right, there you we'll go. Tell it. Okay, so there you go, Skiz sixty nine. Yeah. So um, Coffee Bluff is another area that used to have a lot of plantations and things like that. Um, it's kind of a little bit wooded uh, as you're going out there. Uh, but I, I forget who the person was that told me this story, but I think it was somebody that I do like aerial with, but. They um, live out in Coffee Bluff and they live in a normal house, like a normal new constructed house, but they were having paranormal experiences. And I have this air to me that a lot of times uh, people see me and they're like, you sound like, or you would enjoy a good ghost story. And I'm like, yes, I would. Um, And so she came up to me and she was like, I have to tell you about my house. I was like, okay, tell me about your house. And she was like, I didn't think it would be haunted because, you know, it it was built in like 2015 or something like that. Shouldn't have, you know, had anything going on. I'm like, well, that's wrong, but continue. And then um, basically she kept telling me how like when they first moved in, weird things started happening. You know, it started out small with just like cabinets opening and like doors, you know, sounding like they were shutting footsteps and things like that. But then her daughter started talking to someone that wasn't there and progressively this relationship got really like you know uh codependent where she didn't want to leave unless you know the friend could come with her or she got really defensive over the friend that nobody else could see and apparently the daughter started waking up with bruises on her and scratches on her and what they found out is that the house had built uh, been built on top of a cemetery that was knocked down, oh, yeah. um, and it was a slave cemetery. So it probably was on a plantation property at some point. Well, and you know now now knowing that we're talking about Vernonburg, which must must be that area by the Vernon River. That's it. Um, That's the which, one. Which makes because those are all affluent houses. Mm-hmm. That, those are like doctors' houses. They're big. Like that, the the row facing that river, and so yeah, that was plantation area. So that was uh, area of high distress, high you know um, emotional 
issues, and people forget too that slaves were very rarely given and afforded the opportunity to have proper burials. You know, a lot of times they were not, it's not like they got a day off when a loved one died. Um, sometimes it'd be after the day was over of, of grueling work, they were given, you know, take care of the body. Sure. You know, and so, um, and, and if they did have markers, they were usually wood. It's not like they were, they were given, you know, any resources to, to, to mark graves correctly. Um, and given what culture they may have come from, their burial practices may have been, you know, uh, foreign to us in sight. We would not have noted it. So throughout that area would be peppered, you know, sure. um, because we talk about slave burial grounds, but the truth of the matter is a lot of plantation owners would not, you know, deem it necessary. Exactly. <laughs> to, you know, they, they, they truly had uh, this concept of the slaves not being human beings. And, you know, that led to a lot of graves that were never marked and a lot of graves that were never properly, you know, um, associated with the rituals of death of any given culture. Yep. So, yeah, we are. And, and along the river, it's fascinating because, uh, again, now we, we see these things as the high point of living on, on the river in these big, beautiful houses, but they're really built on top of probably uh slaves you know <laughs> the slaves yeah. quarters and the things like that because the main houses would have been not overlooking the river but inland uh, overlooking the the land yeah and that's not to say that it could have been like the spirit of a slave or something oh, sure. like that it very possibly could have just been the fact that it's a desecration of graves mm -hmm. it sometimes just thins that veil cemeteries tend to have a thin veil to begin with absolutely um and so sometimes things just get through and you well, gotta send them bomb back so when you start talking about scratches scratches being a very clear indication of demonic presence usually mm -hmm. like scratches are nine times out of ten the situation is you're dealing with a non-human entity uh and you, you see the three like when you see three scratch lines, that is that is that most common first indicator of oh yeah. we're probably not dealing with something to know to put for, <laughs> you know you're you're dealing with something that is, uh, and and some people say that the three scratches are a um, sort of a mockery of the mm -hmm. Holy Trinity or a mockery of of the three a.m. the three p.m. You know it, there's a lot of reasons why people think that when a demon tries to scratch, they're using three claws instead of four mm -hmm. which is typical of animals and and a human being would be five or four i knew a cat named scratches <laughs> that's what i have to give to this podcast did she, <laughs> did she live out in vernonburg no it was actually in georgetown um scratches uh would scratch people obviously what yeah but never scratch me always like oh. rubbed up against my leg i don't know I, i'm not saying i was anything special but you know you were chosen yeah, you were chosen, chosen by scratches. Yep, spare yep. this that's, one. That's all I. That's all I can give to this podcast, other than what I do behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I think worth <laughs> worth noting is whenever we talk about like uh, uh, graves that are unmarked or graves that have not or, or bodies that have not been properly, you 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 may not be dealing with the bodies in the grave, but the fact that the energy is there for other entities to be drawn to. Exactly. You know, um, we're not saying that you're the. the the body in the ground is angry at you. We're saying that you're, you're on a, an area where the opportunistic spirits that arrive have a place to be. 
um, because many many people believe that the rituals of death are in fact to seal and protect the area for sure. All right, moving on. I managed a Burger King. A kid passed out during a shift because of a heart issue when in the recovery position, I saw a white cloud exhaled from her. Ideas? Whoa. Whoa. That is uh, quite an experience. Goodness gracious. Um, Yeah. I'm trying to process that. Um, Basically. Wow. But I would feel like I, I mean i feel like i would need more details about like exactly say, what, what happened what, what happened uh next and what, what what was the condition is and is she all right yes um hopefully she's all right uh but usually when i hear that like any kind of like essence was um shown outside of the body it makes me feel like it could have been like a near-death experience where almost like this you could have possibly seen the soul starting to leave the body or just like that energy of the person leaving the body. But because I'm hoping that this child is still okay, um, you know, maybe it was just not not enough to fully finish leaving the meat flesh suit that we live in. <laughs> that is a solid uh, analysis, definitely. No, uh, and it's worth noting that you know, in in just about every culture in the world, we we think of vitality and we think of life, um, and breath is the uh, like even when you talk about like chi and in, in the in the Asian culture, it, it is very breath centric because when you really think about the the stages of necessity in life, you know, you can live weeks without food, you can live days without water yeah you can only live minutes without air you know if you deprive a person of air you are so so that should give you an indication of how vital it is to the condition of being alive and so when you see an exhalation that is clouded over in a type of in crisis period there's a good chance that what you're seeing is the distress of the vitality of the person being represented and if you're seeing it you yourself might be gifted yeah because that is not a normal thing for somebody to see you know it's possible that and if you have never felt it before or since it might just be this latent ability you have to witness you know spiritual interaction because that is it's a very interesting ability you know because that is uh and people can live their whole lives without ever seeing someone die or seeing someone in that level of distress. So they may never know that they have the ability to witness and or bear witness to a spirit in turmoil. Do you think it had anything to do uh, with the, the kid being a, a child? I mean, so think about it this way. Um, imagine like how orbs are, you know, how orbs can be different colors. It, all they are is just like a little ball of energy. Um, but a lot of times you can distinguish that particular energy by the color or even auras. Auras have different colors to yeah. identify different um, energies that they give off. So um, usually when you see white, it's a very pure energy, at least in the form of auras and orbs in that realm maybe, so maybe that's why kids. well yeah i mean children are always going to be the purest 
form of energy yeah. for the most part. I mean, there's always some some crazy ones every once in a while, but some bad seeds, some, some bad seeds every once in a while. But you know, most of the time, nine out of ten times, you're going to have a child that's going to have a very pure aura and pure energy to them. So that's another reason, kind of why I lean towards the side of like it could have just been a little bit of that soul leaving, or even just their energy leaving the body yeah because there's a lot of legends of breath stealers you know even the concept that cats mm-hmm. come in to steal the baby's breath scratches you know, and there's yeah that's pretty yeah. common there's 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 many versions of the the creature that comes and and takes the breath out of your lungs to to live and survive even the hag to a certain the degree hag, I was about yeah. to has mention. that you know that notion that she's She's taking your life's breath. So uh, maybe there was some invisible force pulling life out of this kid. That would be very frightening. Not in the Burger King. Yeah, you know. Not yes. in the Burger King. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. And Ice Lemon Vanilla Ooh. asks. That sounds delicious. I know. Okay. <laughs> now I'm like. Mm. It was some a treat. Yes. <laughs> right. Ice Lemon Vanilla asks, can ghosts talk to other ghosts? If so, can they work together to make rules with with others and more importantly are ghosts saying mean things about me (laughs) (laughs) am i being bullied by ghosts (laughs) behind my back (laughs) oh gosh that's funny that is funny that is you know that's a great question because i i am of the belief that it is it is as difficult for a ghost to see another ghost as it is for us to see a ghost you know um and so it depends on the planes in which they are operating and 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 divulging but you do oftentimes hear ghosts refer to the other spirits mm-hmm. you know they'll often talk about like if you if you get into um an evp session or if you uh you know are using the spirit box they will oftentimes discuss how many spirits are around them so that does suggest that they can see and communicate um but the scariest thing i've ever heard uh was during an evp session and it was just the sentence we like to watch. Um, and <laughs> it was so bizarre because all I could think was how boring existence as a ghost would be and how if they had access to everything you do in a given day, you know, start wearing swim trunks to, uh, to take a shower. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's one of yeah. the things because humans are voyeuristic. That's just a fact. <laughs> And if you're given access to the most private and, and intimate moments of a person's life and you got nothing else to do. So it's like Big Brother. Mm-hmm. It's like Big Brother. So um, so as far as like uh, talking smack about you, yeah, probably. They probably are. Well, yeah, I, I mean, think so. well, think about like- <laughs> They may love you and, and, yeah. and, and they'll praise you as well. But if you do something stupid, they're going to talk smack. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about, you know, how human beings are in real life. Like people love to gossip. Gossip mm-hmm. is everyone's favorite thing to do most of the time. And so, of course, when you got all of eternity to do it, might as well. Right. You know, and you got to figure that uh, at, at some point they've seen everything. So, sure. you know, yeah. So try to be uh, unique. Yeah. <laughs> entertaining. You know, give them something to talk about. Absolutely. Have a conversation with your house ghosts or, you know, <laughs> it's, um, that's what I do. All right. Next one. Paramutant asks, Ooh. I've been 28 days haunted. Have you seen it? How does someone become a demonologist and do they have to be clairvoyant or a medium? Mm, okay. 
we haven't seen it yet. Uh, we, yes. we discussed that at the beginning of the show. We're, 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 I feel like this question's answerable. But it's That's super why answerable. I left it in there. So, so. Demonology is the study of demons. You do not need to be clairvoyant to do that. There are, there are so many... Uh, you, you know, you can you can actually just go online and, and buy yourself a demonology certificate, which I think a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, and there are, there are courses, there are courses in demonology, but really all demonology is, is the study of demons. Um, and you, you don't necessarily have to be certified because I can't think of anything outside of like the Catholic church that can, can confer a, a, a meaningful demonology, you know, degree of any type. Um, but... If you're if you're looking like purely from an academic point of view, it is the cataloging and naming of demons. Uh, I took a, 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 de- a demonology course in college. Of course, you did. And yeah, uh, well, I actually went to seminary in hopes of pursuing that what? lifestyle. What? Yes, but I was quickly turned away from it because the um, the priests kind of were like, "You're not you're not called." I wasn't, and it's true, I was not called. Uh, meaning I, I could not enter the priesthood uh, with good conscience because my my goal was not to you know administer the faith and yeah <laughs> you just wanted to you just wanted just, to talk about demons well I just wanted more Father access Chris. yeah exactly <laughs> I just wanted more access to information that was that was very difficult to find you know because Absolutely. you can buy demonology books you can buy these things but. <laughs> I and I, I I I believe I was probably you know one hundred percent wrong. I was you know a kid. Um, in the instance that I was thinking that there was so much suppressed information about demons, that and this was before the internet. This was before you know anything like that. There was no way for me to do. I, I there was a course I think in Duke University that I explored to try to get into, um, but ultimately. Uh, seminary made the most sense because they deal with it. You know, they they, yeah. they, they openly talk about it and it is a thing. Um, however, I was I was not cut out for it. You were yeah. the only person I know that would literally alter their life to become a D like like just you're the only person that I know in my life that that would like say like I'm never gonna be married not having sexual relations with anybody I'm going to become a priest solely off of the fact I want to learn what the Catholic Church got to say about some demons well <laughs> what's behind that wall it's safe to assume <laughs> that upon graduating I would have left uh, yes. <laughs> yes. yes but <laughs> Putting that, putting that aside, putting that whole bit aside, the whole uh, notion aside, uh-huh. um, it is the it is the study, and and it, it does not require you to know uh, uh, or have clairvoyance, uh, it, because what when you get that ology behind it, 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 it is the study of yes. So you're studying demons. You don't you don't have to experience them. You don't even have to believe in them. You know to become a demonologist because it is a fascinating subset of faith and belief and a fascinating subset of, of human lore that involves our attempts at identifying evil, uh, placing it outside of the self and into entities that serve very specific purposes. So um, in the case of demonology, you're oftentimes looking at uh, a long list of, of jobs, you know, um, you know, the seven deadly sins. You're, you're looking at demons that adhere to certain types of temptation and condemnation. So it's a weird title and you'll see it. People are oftentimes show up 
like this is noted demonologist so and so says it means that they've studied the subject um, so books oh yeah. yeah it's just books like I feel like, I feel like yeah. books are like the well, number now, one way to become a demonologist is just study it because books have the Jews books. I know luckily uh, they have the Jews <laughs> indeed <laughs> uh, the internet does have a, a, an endless array of resources that are about cataloging and naming and knowing um, and then you know patterns of behavior and things like that because when we start talking about demons in a paranormal research situation that that's a heightened thing and demonologists can help identify trends and and identify you know um the the common beliefs and the core beliefs that surround this kind of thing but ultimately when you're when you're when you're face to face it's it's weird yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird question now now that i think about it i'm like yeah cuz a demonologist doesn't necessarily have the ability to go toe to toe against a demon just because you Absolutely. know about a demon and just because you know about the, the methods used to thwart demons does not necessarily mean that you have the skill set or the ability to do so, you know, because uh, we, we talked earlier about Ed and Lorraine yeah. Warren. Ed was like one of the only non-priest, uh, I guess, civilians to be given and granted permission from the Catholic Church to perform exorcisms. Sure. I feel like, I feel like, you know, you're going to laugh, Madison, because you, you, you know how I am, but I feel like demon like you know fighting a demon is a lot like hunting in the way that you have to know where the deer is going to come from mm -hmm. you have to know where the wind blows you have to know when the deer is going to feed where the deer is going to feed you have to on. be what it feeds on what you you know how high up you have to be to not get winded you have to uh you know and then when you spook the deer you need to know or shoot the deer you need to know where the deer is going to go to find the deer again and so it's like there's all these different things that you have to know and think about before even coming like 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 going versus a demon right, right. head to head because yeah. the demon if you don't know all those things you're not going to shoot that deer right. or you're not going to get recover the carcass and even more you know to that point is you know if you are tracking a deer and you come across some bear prints Ooh. the entire expedition changes. You know, yeah. your, your entire knowledge base, if you see wolf tracks, if you see boar prints, yep. um, you know, knowing what tools you have and whether yeah. they can handle those things. That Yeah, so exactly. you know, it's a good allegory for if you're going to fight demons, I do not uh, suggest it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and something that a lot of people forget too is that demons don't just exist in the catholic um oh, yeah, religion absolutely. and stuff like that so a lot of times demonologists are studying all demons because right. there are so many um a good book to look into is the encyclopedia of demons uh i have it it's great and it literally talks about demons from all sorts of cultures and religions and very niche ones too it's very true because and i, I we we use the word demon a lot but the truth of the matter is that we're not talking necessarily about you know, a horned entity that is, yeah. you know, uh, pitchforked. And <laughs> uh, we are looking at a, a classification of spirit that the word demon fits. Because, yeah, every culture has them, and they're just basically the explanation of something dark and sinister that they encountered and had a very specific pattern of behavior. You know, the Oni of Japan are very fierce and scary and frightening, um, and, and, and we hold them as demons. Mm -hmm. we, we'll, we'll call them demons, Tengu, and the same thing. You go to every culture, they will have an entity that embodies 
the dark thing that you encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are all demons, absolutely, across the line. And even in, um, even in religious studies, they try to bridge you know, the demons of other cultures into, so that, so that when you're classifying them, you're like, oh, well, this demon is a rage. You know, it, it is about inciting rage. It is looking to feed on you. And then when it all distills back down, you realize that there is a similarity in what they are trying to achieve. Sure. They may go about it differently. They may mm-hmm. have different, you know, modes, methods, and, and appearances. But in the end, what they're trying to achieve is interesting because it's usually not like devour the soul and hurt the person. It is usually corruption. Mm-hmm. It is about the Ooh. corrupting of a spirit. Um, and that is also why children are so susceptible to demon assault because the level of corruption is greater with the less, yeah. you know, uh, sins on your, on your soul. Yeah. All right. Um, Cara Delos, last question. Cara Delos ask. It's a good end cap question. Do you feel like dowsing rods are a reliable tool to communicate with spirits? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a, it can be, um, you know, they are so tricky because if you are a shaky individual, you could very easily go um, and be like, do and it'll go like that. And you'll think that's an answer, but really you're just a jittery person. Um, you can use them as like a good starting point to like see like maybe something's there, maybe I'm communicating with something, but I would definitely follow it up with something else. Um, and it's tr- it, it is tricky. Um, I I do like dowsing rods for for their interactiveness. Yeah, you know, it's it fun. is a very interactive thing. And one of the things that people always forget about dowsing rods, uh, and it comes from the very name itself, is that it was a means to find water underground used to walk around and wait for the, you know, the sense of the water underground. Uh, and it was a very uh, useful tool in that aspect. But the question was, well, how does it know? How does it know? Well, what it knows is our, our innate ability to detect things, but not ever feel it. We are incredibly sophisticated machines. That is why a Ouija board works. That is why a pendulum works. Um, you can't really hang a pendulum on an inanimate object and expect it to do what it does when you're holding it in your hand. So it, 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 it derives itself from the idea that there are innate knowledges inside of us that can be accessed. And a tool like a dowsing rod, a pendulum, or things like that rely on our physical contact with the tool to... Uh, you know, propagate whatever information uh, is available. Absolutely. So, I mean, definitely take it with a grain of salt. Um, You know. Yeah, yeah. All of it is kind of grain of salty. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But, you know, follow it up with something else and see if you're getting similar answers. And then that is a good point to go from. Um, But don't use it as just like your soul, like, oh, well, the dowsing rod said that it's over there. And so it must definitely be over there because you could also just be looking in that direction and subconsciously going like, ah, oh, it's over there. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and that's the, the, the definitive truth of all of it. Any, any divining tool 
the margin of error is within us, within how we interpret and how we choose to accept and, and distribute the information that we receive from these tools. So, uh, you know, as a tool in your toolbox, at the very least, it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at the very most, it can help you uh, suss out areas of high, you know, uh, paranormal energy. Absolutely. But all right. Well, awesome. Thank you guys so much for all the good questions. You always come through. Really uh, interesting questions. We'll definitely watch 28 days so we can have some yes. more discussion because I think there was like probably like seven questions about 28 days in there. It so. looks like a very interesting show. Certainly. Yes. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely get back to that. Um, but with that, thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, if you do want to follow us on uh TikTok, you can find us under the Savannah Underground. You can find us on Instagram under the most haunted city on earth. You can also become a pair of junkie over on our Patreon. And make sure to go check out some merch if you haven't already done so. So with that, my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And stay spooky, y'all. <laughs>